This past week, I looked at Casey and I said, You know what? I haven't read the news in two or three days. No wonder why I'm not as stressed. I decided that maybe a couple more days like that would be good. But then I opened up my email and I saw requests from several Christian organizations calling for prayer for believers in Afghanistan. That's when I decided to open up the news. One of the first articles that I read detailed how the recent Taliban takeover has resulted in Christians fleeing to the mountains as Taliban fighters go and search each house looking for Christians. It is reported that they are searching people's phones for apps that might link them to Christianity and then promptly killing those individuals. This recent uptick in violence in a country that is already the second most dangerous place for a Christian to live out their faith, according to the World Watch List, this uptick in violence has resulted in many believers becoming isolated from one another, fearful of gathering with their fellow Christians. Because to become identified as a Christian means almost certain death for believers there today. Please understand that sharing this has absolutely nothing to do with politics, but everything to do with the family of Christ. I want to make something very clear. Like every Sunday, I am standing here without any thought of addressing Republicans, Democrats, or Independents. I'm addressing Christians. And if you are a Christian, then understand that your family in Jesus Christ is suffering. I hope that soon there will be a multitude of ways we can support and help them, and in the meantime, I am asking that all of us would pray constantly for them. Pray that they would persevere, that they would be bold and wise in their faith, that the Lord would guide them by his mighty hand, and pray that their enemies would come to salvation. As you pray for the believers overseas, pray that we might learn from their example of faith. I cannot say it enough, church. I believe that if the Lord does not return for his people soon, that we will see increasing persecution of Christianity here in America. Now is not the time to ignore persecution, but to pray for those enduring it, and to prepare your heart should it ever come knocking on your door. To prepare your heart so that we would have the same conviction, the same dedication and resolve that our persecuted family in Christ does, and so that we would not be caught unaware and unprepared when we face it too. As we turn together this morning to John chapter 15, we'll find that Jesus did not want his followers caught off guard by persecution. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there with me this morning. John chapter 15. These past couple weeks in the book of John, we've talked about loving Jesus. And most recently, we talked about staying close to Jesus. And today, we will see what to expect next when we do these things. John chapter 15, we're going to begin in verse 18. Keep in mind that Jesus is speaking here and he is talking to his 11 disciples. He said this, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. 
If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. If Jesus is your Savior, then you do not belong to the world. The moment that you put your faith in Jesus and gave him your life, you became a citizen of heaven. You were adopted into the family of God. You are still in the world, but you are not a part of the same spiritual family and fold as those who do not believe. They are described in the Bible as children of the devil and children of wrath. That is the world we were saved out of, where we once wandered around in sin, chasing after the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. That same unbelieving world now hates us. Of course, it'll accept you if you choose to go back to living the way they live and you keep your mouth closed about Jesus who died for their sins. But as I mentioned earlier, these past two weeks we've talked about loving Jesus and staying close to Jesus as believers. And now we find that as we do these things, we'll be hated like Jesus. We'll find that the world doesn't like us anymore because we've been called to a different life, a life of righteousness, a life dedicated to Jesus. But many people in this world despise the idea that they are sinners in need of saving. They scoff at the idea of hell. They don't want to give up their sinful living, so they choose to hate the Lord. They reject Jesus, the light of the world. If they rejected the true light, how much more will they reject his followers who point to the light? Understand if Jesus is your Savior and if you are living for him, then one thing to expect is that the world will hate you. They hate our Savior, so they will hate all of his people. In fact, this is why earlier in his ministry, Jesus told his followers that faith in him would even result in divisions in families among brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers. And some of you know what this is like. You're following Jesus boldly and you have family members who want nothing to do with you. They push you away, they hate you, they berate you, and they say that you are the problem. Believers understand that they treat you this way because of the name of Jesus, who we are to testify about. Notice that Jesus said in verse 27 that the disciples must testify. They must share the good news about him because they were witnesses of his ministry. Testifying means that they would not be keeping their faith a secret and the world would either respond in faith to their message or hate them in the Lord they serve. And the same is true today. Let's not do this thing where we say, okay, they were supposed to testify because they witnessed Jesus' ministry and miracles, but I didn't witness these things, so I don't need to share them with others. Now, that's that's what we say when we want to stay silent about our faith, when we want to keep it a secret, when we want to live like the world so the world will open its arms wide to us. But that's not what we've been called to as followers of Jesus Christ. If we have put our faith in Jesus, we have been rescued from hell, and that means that we have a story to tell. Understand that we too are to testify about him, even though that means the world will hate us. And they will. They will because they hated Jesus. But believers, I hope that you will be encouraged by this. Remember that we are not alone. The Holy Spirit lives within us. 
and he is with us as we testify to the world. Thankfully, some people will believe the message of truth and step into salvation. So don't stop sharing and do not give up on those who hate Jesus. Not many years ago, a Muslim man named Roman, living in Kazakhstan, was a proud persecutor of Christians, especially those who converted from Islam to Christianity. He saw them as traitors. His goal was to do whatever he could to make them doubt their faith, to persecute them however he could. One year at Ramadan, he decided to go to a local church and find a way to disturb their services. So we went in and sat down, but when the service started, he found that he couldn't move from his seat. He was gripped by the words preached that morning about a God who loved him and created him. And there, on that day, that proud persecutor of Christians broke down in tears and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Do not stop testifying to the truth, believers. There are many hard, hateful hearts still on the verge of salvation. Jesus had more to say to his disciples. Let's look now at John chapter 16, verse 1. Jesus said, All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I've told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. Let's pause right here. Believers, not only will the world hate us, but in many instances, they will persecute us. Here, Jesus gives the example of being cast out of the synagogue. These were the local places of worship where the people of God gathered. Being cast out didn't just mean you transferred your membership to the next synagogue one town over. No, one pastor explained the implications of this, saying that to be cast out was to be cut off from all religious, social, and economic aspects of Jewish society. It was to be branded as traitors to their people and their God and face the likely consequence of losing both their families and their jobs. In other words, this was a big deal, and the disciples would have known it. Soon, those who confessed the name of Christ would be cast out, labeled heretics and blasphemers. Jesus said that some people would kill Christians all while thinking they were offering a service to God. There's a pretty famous persecutor who might come to mind as you read that. Before becoming the church-planting, gospel-preaching apostle that we know him as, the Apostle Paul was once a persecutor of the people of Jesus. In Acts chapter 26, Paul described how he acted in those days. He said this, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. 
I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. And as many of us know, the day came when Paul realized he was not working for God, but against him. There are many who persecute Christians out of hatred for God, and then some who do so and claim they are working for God. But those who reject the Son of God have rejected the Father, and they are doing the work of the devil and no one else. Even today, many people speak against Jesus, his word, and his followers, and they do so with an air of self-righteousness, convinced they are doing a service for others. But Jesus said to his disciples that he was telling them these things so that they would not fall away, that they would not be caught unaware and unprepared when these things came. Because in that moment of persecution, believers, when we feel abandoned by all others, when our faith is tested, when the enemy seeks to devour us, we will face the temptation to throw in the towel, to no longer stand firm, to give in to the ways of the world, to stay silent in our faith, and to shrink away into a small corner until the world leaves us alone and God calls us home. But we are not to shrink away. The world does these things because they do not know the Father. But we do, believers. We know the Father. We know the joy of salvation, the freedom of forgiveness, and the gift of eternal life. No matter what comes our way, we must make it our goal to share this with anyone who will listen, that we might see others step into that same salvation. And maybe you are hearing these things and your heart is heavy because of them. That was true for the disciples, too. In fact, the disciples were so grieved by these things, they stopped asking Jesus where he was going. The focus shifted from the Savior and on to themselves. Jesus was preparing to suffer more than we can ever imagine as he took the wrath for all our sins on the cross. Sometimes we hear about suffering for Jesus. All we can do is think about that pain and hardship and we lose sight of when Jesus suffered for us. When we keep our eyes on him, believers, we will not stumble when persecution comes our way. Consider what the author of Hebrews said. In Hebrews chapter 12, he said, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now Jesus had more to say to his disciples in John chapter 16. Let's look at verse 7. He said, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he... The Spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. 
As Jesus had told his disciples already, it is because he returns to the Father that the Holy Spirit would be sent to them. Then we come to a verse that has lifted my heart on many occasions. In verse 8, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Believer, understand that the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is actively convicting unbelievers of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That means that as we testify and share the gospel with others, the Holy Spirit goes ahead of us. When we share the gospel, the Holy Spirit is doing all the heavy lifting of convicting hearts. We're just blessed to play a part and speak the gospel. Sadly, not everyone will accept Jesus when they hear the gospel message. The reason we can expect so many to hate us and so many to persecute us is because we can also expect that many people will resist the spirit of the living God and reject the Lord. In the book of Acts, we see an example of all these things. We see an example of those resisting the spirit and as a result, hating and persecuting the people of God. We see this through the example in the story of a believer named Stephen, a believer who was filled with the Holy Spirit and was being powerfully used by God. Then his opponents dragged him before the religious leaders and they brought false accusations against Stephen. When he finally was able to give his defense, Stephen preached to them the truths of God. And then he said this to his opponents in Acts chapter 7, verses 51 through 53. Stephen said, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. It was just a brief moment later when those same stiff-necked people who rejected Jesus and resisted the Holy Spirit dragged Stephen out and stoned him to death. No doubt they were certain that they were doing the Lord's work. Those who resist the Spirit often look for a way to justify it. They resisted the Spirit. So they hated Stephen, that follower of Jesus Christ. They persecuted him. They killed him. Yet, as the story continues, we, we find in the book of Acts, as it continues to unfold, that the Holy Spirit persists. There was one heart there on that day in Acts chapter 7 that we know the Holy Spirit continued to pursue. As Stephen died, we are told at the end of Acts chapter 7 that the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul, that great persecutor who would later believe in Jesus Christ and become the Apostle Paul. God kept chasing after Saul. Believers, even when persecution comes, do not lose heart. And do not give up. As the Spirit continues testifying, so should we. Believers, following Jesus will not be easy. But we did not come to Jesus for an easy life. We came to him for eternal life. We came to him because he is the only one who can forgive us of all our sins. As we love him and draw near to him, we can expect to be hated and persecuted just like he was. But he told us these things so that we wouldn't be caught off guard. Instead, let's prepare our hearts for persecution by trusting the Holy Spirit to guide us and be with us, and by fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
who suffered for us so that we could be saved from sin and hell. Believers, when persecution comes to our lives, remember this truth. We will suffer for our Savior, but we will never be separated from him. We will suffer for our Savior, but we will never be separated from him. This suffering may come in different forms, but when we truly live for Jesus, we will face opposition. And the world can hate, hurt, and even kill Christians, but no one and nothing can ever separate us from the Lord who saved us. No one and nothing can ever take the Holy Spirit from us. So in all these things, we can stand firm. And believers, let's stand firm together. As we close, if you're joining us and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, don't come to Jesus for an easy life. No one said that putting your faith in Jesus would make life easier. And if they did say it, they were wrong. Just the opposite is true. And Jesus even made that clear. Following him will be difficult. Don't come to Jesus for an easy life. Come to Jesus because it is only through him that you can receive eternal life. It is only through Jesus Christ that you can receive the forgiveness of your sins and be made right with God. You see, friend, our sins are separating us from God. And the Bible says that if these sins are not forgiven, we'll continue to be separated from God after this life forever in a place of torment called hell. But Jesus Christ came and died on the cross to take all of the wrath that our sin deserves. And after he died, he was buried and three days later powerfully rose from the dead, proving he is who he said he is. He is the Savior and the Son of God. And now he stands in heaven waiting to forgive you of all your sins and to save your soul and to bring you into a relationship with him that will never end. If only you will give him your life. If only you will come to him in faith. The Bible says whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But friend, you must decide whether or not you will give your life to Christ. It will not be an easier life, but he'll be with you. He'll be with you through it every single day, no matter what you go through. And at the end of this life, you'll step into an eternity with him. Let's pray together. If you are joining us and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, but you are ready, you are ready to give him your life. You're ready to go to him in faith for the forgiveness of your sins. Know that you can do that right now. Wherever you are in life, wherever you are as you listen to this, you can give your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So friend, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus, go to him in prayer. Admit that you're a sinner, but that you know Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That you believe he didn't stay in the grave, but rose from the dead. And ask him for that forgiveness that he is offering. For that eternal life that he is holding out for you. And give him your life. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with anyone listening who has still not given their life to Jesus Christ. I pray that they would think seriously about these things. And for those of us who have given our lives to Jesus, help us to stand firm in all things, even when the world hates us, even when the world persecutes us. Help us to stand firm. Help us to persevere. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. To trust the Holy Spirit as he guides us through this life. 
And I pray that you would help each of us to look for opportunities to testify about what Jesus has done in our lives, to share the good news of the gospel. And we pray that in all these things, that you would be glorified. Father, we love you. And we thank you for loving us so much more. In Jesus' name, amen.